0: interrupt your special announcement to bring you this regularly scheduled programming an emergency message is received from space transport dagal Hey, it's Coolio, if you don't know, and it is time for another episode of Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. This is your home for video games, chiptunes, and all things weird and geeky here to kick off your weekend over at the uh, Dalhousie University Student Union building, which is absolutely abuzz with its first week of classes this week. And uh, yeah, that's a thing that's going on. Another thing that's going on is what is happening over at LowBiasGaming.net, and uh, yeah, there is some cool stuff there because we have a couple of entries from Jade, but we shall go in, al- in uh, not alphabetical order, in chronological order, as I always do. Uh, We have Scarlet with a new Let's Play starting uh, on the 4th, God of War, Ghost of Sparta with three episodes there to start the series as he always does. Jason brings us two new episodes of Final Fantasy VII, Uh, Scarlet with three new episodes of Orphan, Scion uh, Scion of Sorcery, Scion of Sorcery. And Jade Farrow brings us two full series, including The Maid of Farewell Heights and Danganronpa Trigger Happy Havoc. Um, that's a, a long time coming for, uh, for the website there, but uh, there it is, and there you go. Uh, we have the uh, soundtrack for Gex 3D Pocket Gecko, which I uh, sort of let us play for a monthly at one point. Um, that was an experience, and hopefully with um, with the, the uh, new-ish computer that I just got, I'll be able to run through um, the N64 version, or even maybe the PlayStation version. Who knows? Both of those are much better than the uh, Game Boy Color rendition, I will tell you that much. Um, so yeah, let us get on to some music and some fun times here on Square Wave Symphony, on CKDU 88.1fM Halifax. listening to square wave symphony on ckdu 88.1 fm halifax that song was koi hero master spark by zun and just by that name i think you can guess today's game from the archives It's the eve of the Harvest Moon Festival in Gensokia when Yokai sense that something is wrong with the moon. It appears that the moon has been replaced by a fake moon. The main characters stop time and head off to find the culprit to try to ensure a full moon for the festival. Their journey leads them into the bamboo forest of the lost and finally to Ayente, inhabited by beings from the moon itself. This is Toho Eyasho Imperishable Night. It is a bullet hell shooter game for the PC, developed and published by Team Shanghai Allison, released in 2004. It is one of the many Toho games. I believe this is one of the official ones. Um, so yeah, lots of uh, crazy gameplay, even when Ragnats is playing this on easy, which is available on lowbiasgaming.net in four videos covering all of the um, character pairings. But uh, even when you're playing on easy, it's not an easy game. If you're trying to play this on Lunatic, you're gonna have a bad time, unless you know what you're doing. But in any case, it still has great music, it still has good gameplay. Go check it out on LowBiasGaming.net. that was infinite lives by jitterwitz from his album um, master quest one press start and you're listening to square wave symphony on ckdu 88.1 fm halifax Welcome back to Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. You're home for video games, chiptunes, and all things weird and geeky. And it is time, as usual, for the news of the weird. And uh, normally I don't read these stories ahead of time. That I'm not sure holds true for today's show. Because just looking at the first story, I think we've already read this. I think we've already read this. So I think this might be a repeat from last week. But this is what I got to work with, so I just got to go with that. As always, I will warn that some of these stories may not drive well with all audiences. This segment is about 12 to 14 minutes long, so take that as you will. And I am still looking for another uh, weird news digest such as this, just so that I'm not doing the same thing as um, the sister podcast to this show. Uh, Electric Leftovers, hosted by Jason Parton, go listen to that too. That's, that's a good show. It's good for different reasons, but it's a good show. Our lead story, uh, Unusual Hobby, social media has have given us the dubious opportunity to document all manner of celebratory, mournful, hilarious, and contemplative events. And so they have opened the door to fame for Paul Flart real name doug a 31 year old hospital security guard who took to instagram in march to share with the world his sphincter sirens flart spent a lot of time sitting around at the front desk with nothing to do but he noticed the lobby has really great acoustics and naturally naturally we all fart one day I ripped a rather nice one and got really good sound from it. So the next time it happened, I recorded it and sent it to my group chat. Those lucky friends, I guess, encouraged him to go viral and helped him choose his Insta handle, Paul Flart. Today, he's racked up more than 20,000 followers, according to Vice. Why that is, I still have no idea. Unfortunately, hospital management isn't among them, and on August 23rd, Flart was fired from his job. But he's not deflated. He plans to expand his reach. We can do Paul Flart on vacation, you know, throw in a, like a Hawaiian shirt and a hat, and then just fart around Florida. Um, government in action, ladies and gentlemen. Let's just move on to this, and it's really not any better. The Public Works Department in San Francisco gets on average 65 calls every day with complaints about feces on the sidewalk. Public Works Director Mohamed Nuru and the city's Mayor London Breed put their heads together and came up with a solution the Poop Patrol. In mid-September five public works employees with a steam cleaner will begin scouring poop quote hot spots such as as the Civic Center, Tenderloin, and South of Market neighborhoods during the afternoons to clean up what nature has left behind. Another team also cleans overnight. Officials told the San Francisco Chronicle that the waste comes from dogs and people again what? and the mayor recently allotted about $1 million for new public restrooms. I just want the city to be clean, Mayor Breed said, and I want to make sure we're providing the resources so that it can be. I mean if you're gonna go to that extent, why not just poop in a trash can and make it easier for everyone? But don't... Don't poop in the street, guys. Don't poop in the sidewalk. Don't poop in people's yards. Just keep to the toilets. And if you're really stuck, then go out in the woods or something. But keep to the toilets whenever possible. Thank you. That that was today's public service announcement from this show, I guess despite that we have public service announcements that are much more valuable. Moving right along to bright ideas. As his trial got underway on August 22nd, Chinese University of Hong Kong associate professor Ka Kim Sun pleaded not guilty to a breathtaking murder plot. Prosecutors say that in 2015, Ka filled a yoga ball with carbon monoxide then left it in the trunk of his wife's car where it slowly leaked the noxious gas and killed his wife and their 16-year-old daughter the bbc reported that kaw was angry because his wife wouldn't divorce him so that he could be with a student with whom he was having an affair hmm. when colleagues caught kaw filling the ball he said he was going to use it to kill rabbits but in his statement to police he said that the gas was to kill rats in his home he is charged with two counts of murder and our next story, just let's, jo- let's not touch that one. Jeffrey Tormelin, 45, was charged with assault on August 19th after he hurled a soft, fluffy, edible weapon at his ex-girlfriend. When Tormelin saw his ex in a car with her new boyfriend, he walked up to her window and threw a biscuit at her face. He also charged the car, banging on it and saying he would kill them, Reporting uh, reported WKRN, earning additional charges of public intox- intoxication and vandalism. It was not clear whether the biscuit damaged the ex-girlfriend's face. It was also not clear how delicious that biscuit was, or possibly what it was made of. Florida, says it all, is our next story. Just the fact that News of the Weird is recognizing this is saying something. On August 20th, the Miami Herald endorsed Republican Bettina Rodriguez Aguilera, who was running to replace Rep. Ileana Ross Luttonen to represent a district that includes parts of Miami and Miami Beach. She lost her primary bid on August 28th. Rodriguez Aguilera has been a city official and a business executive, the Herald noted, but conceded, we realize that Rodriguez Aguilera is an unusual candidate. Before she was a candidate, Rodriguez Aguilera appeared on Spanish-language television programs to talk about her experience of being abducted by aliens when she was seven years old three beings, two women and a man who reminded her of Jesus Christ, spoke to her telepathically and took her aboard their spaceship. Inside she saw, quote, round seats that were there and some quartz rocks that controlled the ship. End quote. And she said that she has communicated with them several times since then. However, editorial page editor Nancy Ancrum didn't think Rodriguez Aguilera's beliefs or past experiences compromised her as an effective public servant. Here's why we chose her. She's not crazy, Ancrum told the Washington Post. I don't think we went off the rails here. Despite the fact that your representative might be. Well, who knows. The world is a big place and the universe doubly so. Um, our next story... Ow! Or possibly just ow as in ouch. Yes, this is definitely ouch. Mohammed Zayed Adidi, 24, declared that he is, quote, going back to hookah after a fiery incident on August 25th involving his e-cigarette. The cell phone store worker was in an HDTV outlet store in Anaheim, California, buying a new television when the smoking device exploded in his pants pocket. The gentleman, he is running and he is screaming and yelling, store manager Antel Millar Guzman told NBC4. Apparently all of his right leg was completely burnt all the way down. Parts of his private parts were also kind of affected. Ouch. While Abdidi ran to the restroom to see it to see to his burns, Guzman put out the still-flaming e on the store's floor. Diddy, who did not go to the hospital, said he still can't walk on his leg. And... Considering how prohibitive hospitals are in the States... Well... Something needs to be done, but it is not in the context of this show. That is political discourse and we try to steer clear of it. As I failed to do last time. Our next story, the meth made me do it. Hmm. Are you sure? Mason Tackett of Floyd County, Kentucky told WYMT that neighbors called him on August 26th to say his cousin Philip Hagans was carrying items out of Tackett's house. When Tackett returned home, he said it looked like he was packing up for a yard sale when he came out. Haggins was lying, throwing his hands, saying stuff like, I didn't do it, I didn't do it. He did pull a gun on me, Tackett said. But what he really couldn't understand was Haggins's choice of items to steal. A cheese grater, an empty Lysol bottle, and soap. Who steals a cheese grater, Tackett asked. He stole my soap. Who steals soap? must have been a bad batch of methamphetamine around here because Floyd County has gone crazy in the last four days. Higgins was charged with receiving stolen property and being a convicted felon with a firearm. Receiving stolen property? Wasn't he just kind of taking it? Well, anyway, I'm sorry you missed that. And I'm sorry you missed this, possibly, maybe, perhaps. At least one competitor dressed up as Donald Trump at the World Gravy Wrestling Championships in Lancashire, England on August 27th. As grapplers slipped and slid in the slimy mess, even the referee got toppled a few times. The United Press International reported that both men and women participated to support the East Lancashire Hospice. once-in-a-lifetime chance to beat up Donald Trump and get away with it, I suppose. And our last story, Extreme Measures. A man uh, named Tang from Sichuan Province, China, promised his girlfriend Yang, Tang Yang? Yang Tang? either way. That he would buy an expensive luxury car for her. The only problem was that he didn't have the money, so he cooked He cooked up a scheme inviting Yang and her brothers to the Chengdu car dealership on August 16th, where he had allegedly put down a 10,000 yuan payment. Tang asked the group to wait there while he went to get the cash, but instead, according to the Chang highest, he went to a supermarket and bought a fruit knife. Hmm. Outside, he found a secluded spot and cut up his own arms. Huh. Then called Yang and said that he had been robbed at Knife Point of the 750,000 yuan he had supposedly withdrawn for the car. While her brothers took Tang to the hospital, Yang waited for police, who eventually excised the story from Tang. He was sentenced to 10 days in jail and a 500 yuan fine. seems like a pretty drastic way to welch on your promises. Anyway, that's enough of this uh, apparent repeat for News of the Weird. Looking at the uh, update dates, they used to be updated on Sunday, but um, apparently being updated on Friday and apparently is late this week? Hmm, who knew? I actually didn't notice that until today, so that's a thing. Hopefully there are no more repeats going forward, but we might end up missing some stories here and there, so uh, we'll see. Maybe it's just another reason why I should move away from News of the Weird. Anyway, let's talk about the weather, which is um, sort of a repeat of last week, but not quite exactly. It is currently partly cloudy and 22 degrees here in Halifax uh, with a temperature of 22 degrees as I just said. Um, Also the temperature is 22 degrees. I thought I should just mention that one more time for posterity. Tonight we're looking at 12 degrees and a few clouds in the sky. Saturday, September 8th, a mix of sun and cloud and a high of 21 degrees going down to a low of a um, rather chilly 8 degrees and partly cloudy at night. Sunday, is Sept- September 9th, uh, sunny skies and a high of 19 going down to a low of 9 and clear skies at night. Monday, September 10th, a mix of sun and cloud and a high of 20 degrees going down to a low of 15 and cloudy skies at night. Tuesday, September 11th. Uh, Showers and a high of 21 going down to a low of 17 degrees and a 6% chance of continued showers. Uh, That 6% chance of showers will persist on Wednesday, September 12th uh, with a high of 22 degrees going down to a low of 15 degrees at night and cloudy periods. And on Thursday, September 13th, a mix of sun and cloud and a high of 22 degrees you're listening to square wave symphony on ckdu 88.1 fm halifax and let's get some music That was Never Miss Me by Zachary Benny from his album Ultimate Nintendo Disaster Piece. And you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. And welcome back to Squarewave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. Your home for video games, chiptunes, and all things weird and geeky. And you know what I noticed during the news of the weird? There are no unnamed people. Like, not a single one. Well, don't worry. I have a technically unnamed person that I wish to talk about. In fact, today I want to talk about a game. And that game is A Hat in Time. This is a 3D platformer game developed by Gears for Breakfast, published by Humble Bundle, and originally released for PC on October 5th, 2017, with subsequent releases for the PS4 and Xbox One on the week of December 4th, in a yet upcoming Switch port. An unnamed girl, we'll call her Hat Kid, is cruising through space trying to get home in her ship, which for plot reasons I guess, is fueled by hourglasses with the power to warp time, when suddenly her ship is accosted by a Russian guy named Mafia who knocks at her door and demands tribute. Hat Kid brazenly ignores the threat, Whereafter Mafia crashes through the door which, by the way, is part of the glass in the central area of the ship for plot reasons I guess, thus causing explosive decompression and forcing open the vault where her timepieces, as they're called, are stored. Causing them, along with herself, to fly out and land on the nearby planet, where she immediately has a run-in with more Russian guys named Mafia, for plot reasons, I guess. Now, Hat Kid must explore this world and get her timepieces back, but might end up running into some interesting characters, including one who wants to use their power for her own benefit. Let's start with the presentation. From the beginning it's clear that this game doesn't take itself seriously in the slightest and that it's just brimming with heart and soul. The graphics are vibrant and cartoony, but not completely completely outlandish. There is much variety through the game's different worlds, from its island city to its ghost forest, from mountain peak to mountain peak to mountain peak. It's fun just to explore all these areas and find every last detail. This, along with the lovely soundtrack, part of which you're listening to right now, makes for a wonderful audiovisual experience from beginning to end. In fact, I don't remember the last time that a game had me hooked from the very beginning until I started playing ahead in time. Now on to the gameplay. At its core, this, is, this game is what people might refer to as a collect-a-thon game, where the goal is to go from level to level and find all of its hidden goodies, one of which in particular is the ultimate goal. There are 40 timepieces to collect in all, each of which is generally found by completing a task or on occasion finding a rift that transports you to a challenged sub-level. To assist you in this task, you're given an interchangeable hat, whose different options have different abilities such as finding your goal, running really fast, making explosive concoctions and so on. In addition, throughout the game you'll find a badge vendor who will sell you different ba- various different badges in exchange for the pawns scattered throughout every level which are used as currency which, are, which offer different modifiers such as attracting nearby pickups such as pawns or getting the ability to swing off certain objects. The different hats are made available by collecting balls of yarn. Though each yarn is associated to a different hat, the only difference this makes is which hat you unlock when you pick up that yarn. Thus, you don't have to look for specific yarn pickups to complete a hat. Sometimes chasing after yarn can be frustrating enough. Though the timepieces are generally not too hard to grab, some of the yarn and other hidden items can get very frustrating to find, usually requiring some tricky platforming. One thing to keep in mind about Hat Kid is that that she has super floaty controls and can be difficult to get used to it. When the task is along the lines of edge up, jump, double jump, swing, homing attack, double jump again, air dash, wait for it, cancel, use a hat to to make a platform appear, land, jump before it disappears, turn off the hat so that the next platform doesn't disappear, and then land on a tightrope on the other side, Well, okay, that maneuver doesn't actually exist in the game that I've found anyway, but there's still some tricky platformery that does happen, and a lot of it requires that you start from the beginning if you fall off. It also does annoy me a little that the completion percentage indicates how many of the timepieces you've collected and not how much of everything. Thus, having collected all 40 timepieces myself, the game reports that I have 100%ed it while I know that there are still a few balls of yarn that are hiding around in a corner or two thanks to a compass badge which points you toward the nearest bonus pickup. Of course, this is more of a personal foible than anything else. It's not something that will affect every player. My last real gripe about the game is regarding a couple of the bosses. Now while the rest of the game does its best not to overstate its welcome, the bosses have far more health than they really should, sometimes taking a good 7 or 8 minutes to finish, even if you're taking every opportunity to attack. There's also no real checkpointing during most bosses, with a couple of rare exceptions, so if you die, you have to start over from the beginning. And there's also no health bar to be had at any point in the game. On top of that, one boss in particular was especially frustrating as I seemed to get hit by absolutely nothing in some cases, and I couldn't tell if it was a fault in the game or if I was missing something completely obvious and just wasn't seeing it. At the very least, they do seem to have adaptive difficulty, so after dying to the same boss a few times, it will generally shorten the parts you've already cleared, allowing for some mercy. Despite these flaws, however, the game had me completely engrossed from beginning to end. I spent literally an entire day playing through it and then some, exploring the diverse worlds, trying to find every little secret. In addition, if you're playing on Steam, there are myriad mods available, allowing you to add to the music, badges, hats, levels, and more. I mean, if you really want to, you can, have hat, you can have Hat Kid flying around in a knight's hat, brandishing the Monado through the bob on battlefield while time itself is being affected by your movement speed, then start up a rift level while Sunshine's Secret Void music plays. Of course all, of the, all of these mods are free, so even if you have no pawns, you can still pick up a no pawn sword. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, all in all, Ahead in Time is a wonderful game, which I would wholeheartedly recommend to anyone looking for a fresh and jo- a jovial 3D platformer experience akin to Super Mario 64, or Banjo-Kazooie, Spyro the Dragon, that sort of thing. It's a bit on the short side, but that's okay. For all the content it does pack in and its overall presentation, it makes for one peck of a good time. Oh, Peck, I just said Peck. Now, Peck, I did it again. Uh, Let's just get to some music. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU, 88.1 FM, Halifax. And that was the Battle of Award Forty Two by Pascal Michael Stifel from Ahead in Time, and uh, you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU eighty-eight point one FM, Halifax. <laughs> And I found a thing. Yes, I found a thing, and I will share that thing with you in a segment that I like to call I Found a Thing. I know, it's just the most original title ever in the history of the universe. Or not. Possibly one of the least. But no matter, I am here to talk to you about a thing that I found. Um, Did you guys know that the internet has a patron saint. I didn't know this until today. Um, There is a story here on Gizmodo that talks about the the patron saint of the internet and I will share that thing with you. Uh, This is by Matt Novak and written in 2015. In 1997, Pope John Paul II declared it as... (laughs) declared Isidore of Seville the patron saint of the internet. Saint Isidore died in the year 636, long before the first host-to-host ARPANET connection in 1969. But Isidore did try to record everything ever known in an encyclopedia that was ultimately published after his death. From the Telegraph, St. Isidore wrote a 20-book opus etymologies, also known as The Origins, in which he tried to record everything that was ever known. Published after his death in 636, it was for a thousand years considered to be the encyclopedia of all human knowledge. Written in simple Latin, it was all a man needed in order to have access to everything he wanted to know about the world but never dared to ask, from the 28 types of common noun, to the names of women's outer garments. It was a tool uh, by those seeking wisdom, much like the internet is used now. It should be noted that some Catholics don't consider Isidore of Seville a real saint because he was simply declared one by Pope John Paul II rather than going through the traditional canonization process. But since the Pope is considered infallible in all matters of faith, Isidore of Seville is the best Catholic, uh, the best Catholics are going to get the next time their internet goes down. Saint Isidore of Seville shouldn't be confused with Saint Isidore the Farmer, the patron saint of farmers and laborers. So, yeah, that's um, kind of an interesting fact there. I think Pope John Paul II is kind of known for being, uh, one of the more laid-back popes of the last few decades, and, um, things like that happened, I guess. It was around the time that, um, the internet was kind of reaching a new plateau, I suppose, and... I suppose that a lot of people might revile that this, this new thing that I don't know? I I did see a um. I think there was a comment, wasn't there? Yes, there's actually a comment to uh, this very post. When I set up my very Catholic grandmother's Wi-Fi, I named it after him. That's well, kind of an interesting way of introducing. Super Catholics who find the internet a heathen thing. It's not a heathen thing. It has a patron saint. How could it be heathen, right? Well, that's that's the way I think of it anyway. I mean, there are definitely some parts of it that are Let's say less reputable than others as far as knowing everything some people should not know everything. Anyway, to add to this, I'm looking at the um, Wikipedia article for, for um, Isidore of Seville, and um, there's actually an order of Saint Isidore of Seville which is, of course, a website. This order was formed on uh, January 1st, 2000 to celebrate the, the beginning of Christ's third millennium, honor St. Isidore of Seville as a patron saint of the Internet, and promote the ideals of Christian chivalry through the medium of the Internet. Now, just for full disclosure, I am not Christian. I was raised Christian. I am not anymore I just found this to be kind of a cool thing to um, to mention to everyone, and um, yeah, I'm just gonna leave that at that and um, move on to some music, shall we? You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. That was Emulation Lionheart by Madness Anti-Tank rounding off our hour here. Yes, it is time to call it a day for this episode, but I will be back next week with some more stuff. Maybe another review, maybe another I found a thing, maybe something else. I don't know. I rarely have these planned ahead of time. Also, sorry for the lack of news about the podcast version of this show. I am now better equipped to actually produce that version uh, so more than likely I'll start um, making some uh, making that version sometime this weekend and i will be posting on my twitter as to where and when that becomes available and uh, that twitter handle is in our closing credits which are coming shortly so if you want to follow that so that you can bring this show on the road with you anytime anywhere whatever you want to do then we'll do that that way Anyway, time to round this off before I keep rambling like a weirdo. But I am a weirdo, so it's okay. Square Wave Symphony is based on the format of the Electric Leftovers podcast by Jason Parton of Low Bias Gaming, Low News of the Weird is written by the editors at Andrews McNeil Syndication, News of the segment music composed by Format, Madame Namiki, Nori Simon Woodington, Pascal, Michael Stifle, Pink Projects, and Ensnare. Stay tuned for the Astrology Show. Coming up next on CKDU followed by the Wishing Hour Sun and Sea at 7 p.m. in the Nighttime Podcast at 8.30. Comments, questions, want your chip tunes featured on the show? Email me at squaresim at lowbiasgaming.net or get in touch on Twitter at squaresim, S-Y-M. You can also call the CKDU ckdu feedback line at 902-494-8041 this has been square wave symphony on ckdu 88.1 fm halifax i'm coolio if you don't know and i'll see you guys next time